Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to give a special shout out to Newsstand Studio here at Rock Center in New York City. Thank you for having me in your amazing studio. Y'all, never despise humble beginnings because for almost two years straight, I was recording my podcast on cardboard boxes in my Brooklyn closet. So thank you, God, for an upgrade. I'm so grateful for Newsstand Studio. Thank you for having me. Today, I searched high and low to get this guest on the show, Anthony O'Neill. He is a number one national best-selling author, financial expert, and host of the popular online series, The Table, on his YouTube channel, Definitely check it out. I went on a deep rabbit hole earlier this week. (laughs) He is the author of The Graduate Survival Guide, Debt-Free Degree, which my 18-year-old sister read. It changed her life. Anthony, you are her hero. And he also wrote Destroy Your Student Loan Debt. Since 2015, Anthony has served at Ramsey Solutions, where he teaches young adults how to budget, live without debt, avoid student loans, and build real wealth for their future, which, hello, millennials, we need some help with. with. (laughs) You can connect with Anthony O'Neill on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, or online at anthonyoneal.com. Anthony, what is up? Welcome to the show. Oh, man, Kat, thank you so much for having me. I uh, am so honored. Uh, when you first reached out, I was like, heck yeah, let's do this. Oh and um, I'm, I've been looking forward to this day just to talk with you, to um, inspire your your tribe and your audience. And again, thanks so much. Yeah, well, like I said, I was committed to getting you on this show. I said before, right before we started recording, my 18-year-old sister, her name is Grace. She's basically my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 35. She's 18. And we'll get on the phone. She's all, Kat, how's your heart? How are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just having a hard day here. But she got your book, Debt-Free Degree, for Christmas last year from my other mm-hmm. sister. It has changed her life. Her, she now has her entire first year of college completely on scholarship. She's actually applied for a ton of scholarships on your website. And so she's just giddy that I get to talk to you. 
I'm grateful that we got to connect and I'm ready to talk about money. Are you? Go. Let's go. Let's I'm, I'm do all it. for that. And also, you're single, right? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Single and ready to mingle, which I think money and singleness is a really interesting conversation. At least I think it's interesting because I am single and I care (laughs) about money. But before we get into that, who is Anthony O'Neill and how did you get here today? How did you get to be a number one national bestselling author and financial expert? Oh, man, such a great question. Well, who is Anthony O'Neill? Um, Anthony O'Neill is a God-fearing um, Enneagram number three. Okay. Um, passionate, um, energetic uh, young man who mm. grew up with four loving parents. So I have two biological parents and two step-parents. Um, my biological mother and stepfather live in San Diego, California. My biological father and stepmother live in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So Cat, I grew up literally East Coast, West Coast, wow. you know, th- throughout my entire life um, and grew up not really getting any kind of information about life. Mm. I-, I got two practical things growing up. Two, the two most important conversations were, number one, here's the law. Here's how you mm. get home. If you get approached by the law, don't say mm. nothing. Get home. Then the second uh, most important conversation we had was, Here's the spiritual law. Here's mm. how you do not go. Here's how you get into heaven. <laughs> Let me put it like that. And so we could, I couldn't go to prom. I couldn't go to dances. What? I couldn't chill with my friends on Friday nights because anything that would replace church, I could not do. And so back then, you know, we went to church all the time. And so, you know, I just made a lot of young mistakes because when I grew up, everything was church, 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 God, mm. God, God. And when I grew up and graduated high school, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, and it just cost me a lot of money um, mm-hmm. and a lot of decisions that unfortunately landed me in the back of my car, homeless at the age of 19, wow. $35,000 in debt, um, and just really living and thinking about committing suicide during that time. So the guy I am today is just this humble, uh, serving high energy, passionate about stewardship, passionate about money, and just passionate about life and helping young people, specifically between the ages of 20 and like 36, 37, really um, create a solid foundation for their future Mm. so we can build true wealth and not just have the fake rich. Mm, The fake rich. I think that's such a good phrase. I remember growing up in Dallas and My mom would say, Dallas is the land of the $40,000 millionaires, people who make $40,000 a year, but are living like they're making millions and millions, having the big house, the the brand new car. And I was like, that is never going to be me. (laughs) 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 But then I, I graduated college with a Bible degree. I was like, my great big plan was go to Bible school, get my MRS degree, get married after graduation day, start popping out babies. I never really had a career. My career aspiration was to be a stay-at-home mom, which I think Mm -hmm. is an incredible career aspiration. It's just that's not how things went for me. So Mm -hmm. after college, I worked for a nonprofit and made $7 a day. And lived out of a van with three other people to raise awareness for a cause I really believed in. And then I started, quote unquote, chasing my dreams and chasing my passions, which 
has been a really incredible experience. But in that, I did not make more than $20,000 until I hit about 30 or 31 years old. Wow. My first year in New York, seven years ago, I made less than $15,000 and shared a bed with my best friend <laughs> in a rat-infested apartment. Wow. And so I, I'm giving you a lot of context because I think my experience, your experience of being 19, homeless, $35,000 in debt, I realized I got to this point in my life a couple years ago as a single person where I was praying, God, bring me this godly man. God, I pray that he is steady, secure, and stable. I pray that he has a job. I pray that he has been good with his money. I pray that he is debt-free. And honestly, debt was a deal breaker for me. Wow. And there I was, $30,000 in debt. And my excuse was, well, I make I don't make a lot of money. I started a new business. I'm living in one of the most expensive cities. And God convicted me so much. God was like, you don't want a husband. You want a sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And God challenged me to be the woman that I am, look, be the person that I am looking for in a spouse. Mm. And so... I was like, well, if I don't want a partner that's in $30,000 debt, I get to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't holding myself to the same standard that I was looking for in someone else. And mm. what I want to hear from you about is, I don't think that my experience, your experience is, is rare. I think we are a generation of the <laughs> fake rich or yeah, the $40,000 yeah. millionaires why do you think so many of us are in debt and how, why are we single and broke? That's what I want to know. Well, I think there's a lot of different reasons when we really step back and look at it. I think the first one is the lack of financial literacy and f lack of financial education taught in our school systems and taught to us when we were younger. Mm. Um, it sounds like you and I both grew up in a very strong Christian faith home, but let's really step back and think about how often did we really have the money conversation when in the Bible, money is talked about the absolute most. But in our homes, that's not the absolute most conversation. I mean, that was bad grammar, but that wasn't the most uh, that we talked about. And so for me, I think the lack of financial education, I think that's the number one thing. Mm -hmm. The number two, here's another one that I hardly say, but I'll say it on your show, is the lack of emotional intelligence taught mm. inside of our schools. Because right now we we buy things off of our emotions. Mm. Uh, we respond off of our emotions. We, we say things off of how we feel. We do things off of how we feel. And so if we don't have the financial education to teach us how to budget, what is a credit card, what is a debit card, mm. um, and how to live below our means, if we feel that we deserve this or that we need this, and if we don't know how to control our emotions, then we go and buy things that end up leading us into debt. If we see something on Instagram, if we see that she has this, well, then mm -hmm. I need this. Or if he has that, I also need that. Or she went there or he went there. I need to go there too. Then mm -hmm. that's our emotions. And so now we're trying to live a life of someone else. And so I think those two things are so important that we don't have a, the correct financial education. Mm. We don't have the, the correct emotional intelligence to uh, have self-discipline. And then three, I think the main one of the main reasons why millennials, I'm speaking directly to millennials, are 
are so much in debt and and are living paycheck to paycheck, and some of them are not living paycheck to paycheck, it's because of student loans, you know, mm-hmm. just because of debt in general. Um, the number one American dream for the ages 22 to 34 years old is to pay off their debt. Wow. When they graduate college, studies are showing that it's not to buy a home, it's not to get married, it's not to have kids, it's not to buy their dream car. It's my number one thing right now at 24 years old is not to get my job, my dream job, but to get a job so I could pay back my debt. Wow. 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 And so for me, I think that's why I'm so passionate about my message mm. is because I want to teach young people like your sister yeah. and they're her peers. Hey, I want to set you up to when you turn 25, you can actually go buy a house, right? but you can't take out any debt. But right, right now, my main audience is that 20 to 30 year old bracket. Right. And so right now I'm helping them pay off their debt. And the hardest thing that I'm seeing, Kat, is they're passionate about paying off their debt. But here's where they're not passionate. They're not passionate about living below their means Mm. because they feel as if, well, I got to have a a nice and reliable car. I got to live in a nice place. You know, I I mean, I have to go out with my girls. It's the spring break. We got to go to the beach. We got to turn up a little bit. And no, you don't. Uh, What you need to do is, is lay a solid foundation so that tomorrow, as in your future, you can say yes. Because Mm. how would it feel for you to get into your 40s and your 50s, and your 60s. Mm. And you can't enjoy that season because you enjoyed the season in your 20s and your 30s. And now you're paying for it in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah, man. I think that's such a good point. And I think what I what I resonate with about what you're saying so much is I have been the person that says, I live in New York City. This When is the next time I'm going to be able to go to this rooftop bar? Or when is the next time I'm going to get this opportunity to see this to see Justin Timberlake at Yankee Stadium with Jay-Z, whatever it is, there's always something. Or man, even just a couple weeks ago, I almost pulled the trigger to purchase this two-week vacation in Tulum that I cannot afford Mm. because of COVID, this massive resort was having a crazy sale. And it's like, well, when is the next time this is going to happen? I have to seize the day. And as much as I say that my groundwork and my foundation for how I walk through the world is my faith, actually what I find a lot is I buy into the cultural narrative of live my truth, live for here and Mm. now, do what feels good. And I think that underneath a lot of what you're saying is is kind of this impact of a postmodern culture that says to do what feels good. And so when I'm only thinking about what feels good today, then I don't have any real vision for the future. And I think I lived my financial life like that for a very long time, Anthony, because in the back of my head, I was just banking on meeting some guy who had a nine to five and had been really good with his money. And I feel humbled and embarrassed to admit that, but I just, I want to be honest that that's... Yeah, but you're not, you're not the only woman though. Yeah. And, and, and not only woman, you're not the only individual. There yeah. are men out there <laughs> who are banking on a woman to come to the table with something because they made so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. And then there are ladies out there who mm-hmm. are banking on men to come to the table uh, with money and no debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing that I tell everyone 
is because you, you are right. And I'm going to be real with you on your show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I got to check myself too. You know, like, hey, Anthony, like, wait, you know, about about a month ago, I think it was, um, I bought a Gucci bag. Now, with my mm-hmm. income, I can afford it. I, mm-hmm. I can afford it. And my whole philosophy is if you can, if I could pay for it cash twice, then I can afford it. So I was like, all right, cool. I could do that easily. I can afford it. Then when I get home, I put the backpack on. It's a Gucci bag. Cost me $3,500. And I'm sitting here like, this, this doesn't even feel different. Like, I could have went and bought a $500 bag or a $300 bag, and it feels the exact same. And the only reason why I bought that bag is because I knew everyone else would know what kind Mm -hmm. of bag it is. Right. And I'm like, that was a waste of money, Anthony. Like, just because you have it doesn't mean you have to spend it. And to be honest, I really don't want to use that bag too much because I don't want to get it dirty. <laughs> I don't want I don't want the leather to start peeling off. But then I don't want thirty five hundred dollars just sitting in my closet. Mm-hmm. So, cat, I had to check myself. I had yeah. to look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what? No, take it back. Right. Wow. And I had to wear a mask, walk back into a Gucci store, <laughs> saying I want to return this bag. And people looking at me like, what? You want to return a Gucci bag? Like, and so I think we all just have mm-hmm. to honestly. Just be honest with ourselves. Right. I'm like, yo, when will I be able to buy this? Or when would I be able to do it? You will. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with doing yeah. things like you said, going to a concert or buying a nice bag or living in a beautiful city like New York City. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, how do we get there to where you can truly enjoy it with joy and with peace mm. rather than sleeping on a twin bed with your best friend <laughs> only making $10,000 a year. Yeah. And you know, those those years were some of the best years of my life. You know, yeah. so you know, now that I'm making more money and I finally pushed past the six-figure mark in my business, I look back at those those early days of being broke in New York and also before that I I made 6 or 700 dollars a month out of college as a nanny in San Diego and I lived in a huge house with a bunch of ragtag people and those are some of the best memories of my life we would get two buck chuck a two bottle dollar of a two bottle or two dollar bottle of wine from Trader Joe's make yep. a berry pie from the berries out back and sit and and have fun and I think for whatever reason it's so easy to get caught up in, well, the Gucci bag will make me happy. And it's so, I feel like saying it out loud feels like I don't really feel that way. I'm not that person, but it's so true. Just name the thing. For me, it's, I'm going to feel so much more relaxed if I do go get that $80 massage or I do deserve a spa day or I just need some me time, What whatever it is. And I think you brought up such a good point of, underneath the Gucci bag story, what am I looking for? Right. Like the thing in itself isn't bad. Buy nice things. I love how you said if you can pay for it twice, that's a really great marker. But mm-hmm. what are you looking for? What am what is what am I hoping this thing will satisfy in me? Yeah. That's a that's a good one. And and the bag didn't it didn't answer that question for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um yeah. my thing is for me, my mom and dad didn't have a wedding. My mom didn't get her wedding wing until four years, three, four years into her marriage. Mm. You know, growing up, I don't even know what Disney World or Disneyland looks like right now <laughs> because my parents couldn't afford to take us there. Yeah. We didn't do family vacations. And if and unfortunately, if my parents passed away today or 
soon, they're not leaving me. They're not leaving me and my mm-hmm. siblings uh, with wealth and with, you know, an inheritance. They're just leaving us with the policy and bills, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I don't want that. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I want to be able to pay for my wedding. I want my wife's wedding ring to be, I mean, just big, huge, fat, you know, I, I want to be able to take her on a honeymoon. And we do like what you said you was about to do for COVID. Take a two week, um, you know, all expense paid for cash trip. I want to be able to come back and um, we go out th- every three months and we do something. I, and so I'm saying all this to say like the Gucci bag doesn't help me get there. Wow. And so... I, I am making moves now in my single life mm. that when I am a married man and when I have a family, I can say yes. Because you said something that's so true. Yeah. Will this thing today bring you happiness? Yes. But will it bring sadness to something else that's more important? Mm. And that can be a yes as well. Wow. And so I never want to tell my wife or my future family or my older self, we can't do this. Because when I was younger, I did this. You may or may not know now, but I am writing a book. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. It's coming out in April of 2021, which is going to be here before we know it. For most of my life, it was easy for me not to have sex, but that was because my dating life looked more like the Sahara Desert than anything else. All of that changed when I moved to New York City. Many of the Christians I met were living with their boyfriends and having casual sex, and I began to ask if saving yourself for marriage was still a thing, or was it just some legalistic, antiquated Christian norm that was no longer relevant? As I started to dive into a journey of unpacking that question, I began to ask more questions. What does the Bible really say, if anything, about sex? What are we supposed to do as single people with our sexual desire? And practically speaking, what does dating look like in today's culture? And finally, what if we never get married? Then what? What are we supposed to do with our lives then? I talk about all of these things in my book, Sexless in the City, and I would love to keep you up to date on all things book-related, from book tour to joining my book launch team to special in-person events, God willing. So go ahead and go to bit.ly slash trw dash book so you can sign up to get all the updates you want and need about sexless in the city. So let's go back to you being 19 years old, $35,000 in debt. And I want to kind of, if you can maybe unpack a few things for someone who is in that place, who Mm. feels so overwhelmed by debt. And honestly, until I got out of debt, I didn't really understand why in scripture, it's like, don't get in debt (laughs) because it's (laughs) crippling. It's paralyzing. And so for someone who is feeling paralyzed by that or in that place of overwhelm, like I know I was, I'm sure you were, what are three things that you can do to start a path towards financial freedom? Because I think a lot of times, I think millennials are like this. I don't want to put a generalization on everyone. But for me, sometimes it's like, well, if I can't run a marathon tomorrow, then I'm not going to work out at all. Mm -hmm. And well, why did you start going on a walk? (laughs) So what are a few things that people can do to jumpstart their financial freedom? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, when I really think about it, you said it, the Bible talks so much about money and, and specifically about debt. And the key thing that it says about debt is 
the borrower's slave to the lender. And so when I think about that, um, if, if you're feeling bound, if you're feeling enslaved, that's true. You are because you have a lot of things. Here's what you can do to go ahead and clear that up. Number one is you got to change your mindset. Okay. That's number one. You got to change your mindset and all. I can give you all the practical things on do this account, open up this, do that, do this. But if you don't honestly step back and change your mindset on how you're looking at money, on how you're stewarding your resources, um, then it doesn't. Then it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. the number one asset that you have is not your job. It's not. It's not your four hundred one k. It's your mind because your mind is your business. So, but the key thing what I want you to do starting forward today is I want you to speak what you seek until you see what you spoke. And if you want to get out of debt. Every single day, you need to be saying that once in the morning, once in the afternoon, mm-hmm. once at night. I want to be debt free. I'm going to pay off my debt. I'm going to do this. And you mm-hmm. keep speaking that until you start seeing your debt is starting to be paid off. And then outside of that, number two is you got to just stop borrowing money. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a practical step. So if you're saying, I'm tired of this lifestyle, you have to stop borrowing money. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then from there, get a clear vision. Get a clear vision. Why do you want to stop borrowing money? Why do you want to get out of debt? I told you my vision. My my vision in one sentence is, I came into this world crying, but I'm going to leave this world smiling. Wow. And so that's my vision. So anything that gets in between me leaving this world smiling has to stop. And, And the smiling is, I'm looking up at my wife, I'm looking up at my kids, and I'm smiling because I'm leaving them with wealth. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving them with land. I'm leaving them with businesses. I'm leaving them with joy. I'm leaving them with peace. I'm not leaving them with debt. I'm not leaving them with concerns. Mm. And for me, when I go to the gates and I greet God, I'm looking at him like, what's up, pops? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm glad to be home mm-hmm. because I did what I was supposed to do on earth and my family is good. And so that's my clear vision mm-hmm. and nothing debt, uh, people's lifestyles, um, being jealous of others, comparison, none of that stops me from accomplishing that dream. So mm-hmm. when you do those things, the, the best practical step, which I recommend to everyone, is to get out of debt using the debt snowball and to really dive in deeper to, into that because we can't really dive into that on yeah. your show. And I want to make sure I don't talk too much because I'm a preacher as well. So, hey. you know, I can I can preach for hours We can have hours. a four-hour praise session right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, no. I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> hey, listen, man, listen. No, that, that, nah, not me. Uh, <laughs> but you can, you can go to daveramsey.com forward slash hope. And there is where we teach you the step-by-step process on how to get out of debt and how to start building an emergency fund and even how to start investing. And there's so many different things there. But the key, the key thing is change your mindset. Mm. Go ahead and get on a clear vision. Stop borrowing money and pay off all of your debt using the debt snowball. I've heard I've heard of the debt snowball and I kind of did my own little ragtag <laughs> getting out of debt. So I got out of $30,000 debt in one year. Ooh, that wow. I did it last year. <clears throat> and you know, looking back, maybe it, I don't know if that was the best thing to do cuz it it really was hard, but mm-hmm. it was a goal that I had and I did it and I'm I'm really grateful that I did it. But my cousin told me about the snowball thing because I was like, I don't know where to start. So people definitely go to DaveRamsey.com slash hope. Do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Now, a question I have based off one of the things you said, change your mindset. 
I believe that our thoughts determine our actions, which determine mm-hmm. our realities. But I think sometimes what can happen is we can become I'm gonna, an I'm mm-hmm. gonna person is what I call it. I'm gonna get out of debt. I'm gonna lose the weight. I'm gonna be a better sister, wife, mom, friend, whatever. How, how do you not just speak it? <laughs> like, how do you not just say, I'm gonna get out of debt and not? I mean, you can't just, you can't just say it. Like, I know it starts there, but yeah. how do you avoid being the I'm gonna person? That's a, yeah, and that's something that I'm always telling myself. All right, here's what you said you're going to do. Now do it. So one mm-hmm. of the things that I do uh, to make sure that I hit my my ultimate vision. So let's say, for an example, your ultimate vision is I want to be out of debt by the end of 2020. Okay, cool, great. Now that's your year goal. Mm-hmm. Then you backtrack to, all right, so every single month, here is my goal to accomplish for this month. Mm-hmm. Great, all right? Now let's go one more level deeper. What's your daily habits? Mm. So every single day, I need to do this. I am going to do this. So now every single day is going towards my monthly goals. My monthly goal is going towards my ultimate vision. Mm. So vision, goal, habit. And, And that's how you make sure that if you say, I'm going to get out of debt, in 2021. Okay, cool. What are we doing every single month leading up to that? Maybe I need to pay off $5,000. Maybe I need to do this. Okay, great. Every single day, you need to be setting aside two bucks or every single day you need to be reading this or doing this. You got to have daily habits because daily habits is is what I call your formation habits. That That's forming you into the individual or into the person or, or, or getting you closer to your actual vision. Mm, that's so good. It's in the, it's in the details is what yes. I'm hearing. It's in the details. We have the, the big goal. I, I did a emotional intelligence workshop a couple years ago and we made something called a LOA, a letter of accomplishment. And we made goals in every single area of our life. And it could be, I want to get out of $30,000 in 2020 or whatever it is. And then we made a, a day by day, minute by minute, I'm going, this is how this is going to look. Because if you just look at the big goal, it's overwhelming and it's paralyzed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, maybe I can't get out $30,000 debt today. But today by 5 p.m., I can... I can go to DaveRamsey.com slash hope and read about the debt snowball effect. Yes. like there, And it's making it really, really practical, which I think I I love that vision goal habit. And And that's one thing that I really focus on, especially with you know, our tribes that 20 to 30, uh, 30 year olds is baby steps. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want to be a multimillionaire one day mm-hmm. and I'm tracking towards that. I, I want to build a million dollar home one day for my family and I'm tracking towards that, but I can't buy the million dollar home today. Mm-hmm. I, I can't afford it. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm making small decisions that gets me closer to that. Prime example, I bought a big home out in Columbia, Tennessee, and I love it. It was a beautiful home. I built mm-hmm. it from ground up. And then I was sitting back with my mentors and I was like, hey, you know, if you really want to be this multimillionaire, you need to make some wealth moves. I was like, okay, give me, give, what should I be doing? And the guy was like, you should sell the house you're in Columbia because nobody wants to live out in Columbia, Tennessee, first <laughs> off. You know, you should move back to Nashville, Tennessee, where all the young, hip, cool people, like my publicist, Heidi, she lives in the Goats, right in a beautiful area. I said, oh, okay, yeah, I see. I see that. Get that. Get a townhome. Pay that townhome off. 
in Nashville, Tennessee, and then use that for rental income. Mm. Now, that's income, another stream of income you have coming in for your family that goes towards your network, goes mm. towards your income. So I'm like, that's wise. So I'm doing that. So I sold my house. I'm moving to uh, Tennessee next week, bought a beautiful town home, um, uh, uh, clean it up real good. So that way when I leave out of it and hopefully in the next five years, it'll be paid for. I can rent it out for top dollar. Mm-hmm. And now I have another stream of income, but that's getting me closer to my ultimate goal, which is right. multimillionaire, which mm-hmm. is building a million dollar home. So that's the question you got to ask yourself today. What baby steps, what small habits are you doing now that will get you to your ultimate vision. If yeah. you want to be married, what are you doing now to get you ready to be the best wife when your husband do find you? Because mm-hmm. if if you're going to be his best thing, what is good about you today? Right. What are you getting better with today? And that's something that I'm doing personally as a man. You know, right. I, I see a therapist. I am I am growing as a man every single day because I'm going to be the best man, the best husband, and the best father. Mm-hmm. When God blesses me to have a family. Yeah. And even just as you shared, Anthony, I heard something underneath what your mentors were saying to you about, okay, you have this great house in Columbia, but who's going to want to live there? How many single people are there? And and I'm going to pull out something that I heard, and I want you to say if this is a part of it. What I heard in that is that your financial goals also take into consideration the season of life you're in and mm-hmm. what you want in another area of your life. So mm-hmm. maybe I could get a big fat house in the suburbs outside of New York City or whatever, but if, if the single per, single population is 1%, well, that's not in line with my other grand <laughs> vision of I want to be a wife, I want to be there a mom. Go. And so the merging of the two, because I know for me, I can have tunnel vision. And so when I have one goal, I'm like, just get out of debt. Or mm-hmm. I know, I, I don't know if this is a guy mentality, but I know a lot of my guy friends think I can't even think about taking a girl on a date. I don't even want to be in a relationship unless I have the job, I have the house, I have all the thing set up before I meet the person. Would you would you say that's a more of a guy mentality? A hundred and twenty times, because Kat, I was engaged uh, five, four, four or five years ago, and it took me five and a half years to propose because. Um, she was an amazing young lady, um, and she was older than me. So she was about 12 years older than me, and she was a very, very, very successful individual in the banking institution. Um, she led one of the largest banks. She was like number three um, as far as in ranks within the bank, and she was making a lot of money. And I was just, I was a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I did not propose when I should have proposed is because I was not making six figures yet. And I was like, there's no way in the world I can propose to you. I'm making $40,000 as a youth pastor and you're making high six figures. Wow. To all the pride inside of me, which there was nothing wrong with the woman. So I want to hear ladies hear me say that. There's nothing wrong with the woman even being the breadwinner. Because I think that has nothing to do with the relationship as long as both can respect each other as a man and as the woman and they grow together. Because truly, when two become one, you you truly should be should become one. Mm. But men, we do have that pride issue to where if we're not making at least some money close to you, um, then that's something internally that mm. we had to battle. And I went to therapy after that because mm. 
I did propose and things just didn't work out, unfortunately. And we decided it's best that we both just walk away from the relationship. And one thing I learned from there was I failed in the area of my pride. Mm. And I had to go see a therapist and be like, hey, I I was making less money than her. And Mm. that got to me and that bothered me. And I had to walk myself and teach myself how to not feel that way. So I I 120% agree with you that a lot of men um, battle that. And that's just something that we have to um, get help with and get wisdom and walk through that together. We're told that we should pray for our future husbands. It makes sense, right? Dating, finding the right person, those aren't things we want to attempt without God in our corner. The problem is nobody ever teaches us how to pray for our future. If you're anything like me, you've found yourself wondering, what am I supposed to be praying for exactly? Is there a right way to pray for my future marriage? And if so, what is that way? Is there anything else I should specifically be praying for in this season? Are there things I can be praying about now that will help me be ready for marriage when the time comes? If any of these questions are you, I have an incredible resource. It is called the Every Single Moment Prayer Journal by my friend Stephanie May Wilson. The Every Single Moment Journal is a hundred powerful prayers to help you savor the present and prepare for the future. It's filled with easy-to-follow prayer prompts, and this beautiful 100-day guided journal will help you cover your future and your marriage in prayer. But that's just the beginning. Over the course of 100 days, these prayer prompts will help you heal from your past, grow in the present, and find joy, peace, and purpose in your life right now today. So to grab your copy of Every Single Moment, go to bit.ly slash cat, that's K-A-T, dash single moment. Again, that's bit.ly slash cat dash single moment. Use cat, that's K-A-T, at checkout for 15% off your order of every single moment. Now, what would you say would be, I don't want to say like a non, maybe a non-negotiable or I don't know if it's, I can't decide if it's a non-negotiable or a preference because I think there has to be a balance between I have to have all my ducks in a row before I get in a relationship versus I'm a person in process. And even kind of back to my thing a few years ago where I felt convicted of, I didn't want to be with a person that was in a ton of debt, but then I was in debt. What do you think as a single person, what should be the things we're looking for in a partner financially? Because I think it can be it can be hard to think about because in my head, I'm like, well, everyone's on their own journey, right? I don't want to be judgmental or God knows for me, I like I said, it took me a lot of years to make even $50,000. Right, right. And so why would I judge someone else for chasing their dreams when I was chasing mine? And I, so I guess my question to you is, do you think that there are certain standards that we should be looking for in a person financially when we're dating them? And when do you bring that conversation up? Because it's not as though on the first date you want to say, so uh, can I check your credit score? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you don't say it. You're just like, what's your last name? What's the last four digits of your social? (laughs) You know, I I think those... The the things that we're looking for should be different within every within every individual. So, mm-hmm. for an example, a lot of people when they meet me, uh, especially ladies, think that, that they have to be debt free uh, because I'm debt free, and I'm like, no, I'm I don't expect you to be debt free. But here's what I do expect: 
I expect you to have the mindset of you want to be financially free. Mm. And so if you do not have the mindset of I want freedom, I want to build something and I want to own everything that me and my husband can build, then I cannot be with you. Mm. Because if that's the mindset that I have, and then you're over here like, I don't care. I'm going to drive this Mercedes and just spend six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month on it. Well, that's not the mindset that I have. And so we can't, that we're unequally yoked. Mm. And so I think that uh, for me and for anyone listening, I think identify your mindset And just make sure that your partner's mindset is the exact same. So I don't care if I meet, if my wife has $100,000 in debt, my question is going to be, do you want to get rid of it? Mm. And if she says yes, here's my second question. Well, what are you doing now to get rid of it? Well, I'm making the payments. I'm throwing some extra money towards it. Okay, great. Cool. Great. We could do this thing together. And the moment we get married, we're back in debt. You know, key word that's said there, we. Like, it's no longer, I'm not debt, I'm not in any debt, she is. No, once I get married to my wife and she has debt, we are in debt. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to help her do it because her mindset is, before I met her, I want to be Mm debt-free. And so if I see someone um, walking and and really more so than they're talking, then I'm all for it. So that's what I recommend for singles is really spend some time to try to spirit by the spirit. You know, mm-hmm. just really spend some time to ask some deep questions. And the, the conversation can come up whenever you want to come up, whenever you want it to come up. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to always come up with me in the first phone call. Oh, wow. Um, but I think that's only because of what I do. Right, but, right. Um, for, for people who do not do what I do, should it come up on the first date? Nah, I, I don't think it should. But if it does, I don't think that's a bad thing neither. Mm-hmm. Because my thing is... I'm always trying to turn off the woman within our first date because if I turn her off, that means we were not we would we wouldn't work. <laughs> so and you don't so, take a shower? Do you come with like no? Stinky? You know I do that, cat. Come on, man. <laughs> like no, what? I do the right You're stuff. gonna love me for all of who I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, I shower. I look good. You know, the breath is fresh. The, the clothes is dope. But what I'm saying is I'm literally honest. Like, hey, here's here's my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not doing this before marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm strong in this area. I'm passionate about family. And if you're not passionate about your family, then we can't work because I'm a family man. Mm-hmm. I'm not a mama's boy. I am a family man. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really love my brothers, sisters, nieces, yeah. and nephews. So, and then I've learned if I'm honest and truthful, up front, and I'm not trying to say all the right stuff just to impress them, to eventually down the road tell them the true stuff that mm-hmm. they may not like, then it saves us both uh, saves us a lot of time. And right. I think only because I'm 36, I don't have time to be wasting anymore. Right, right. So let me tell you up front. And if you like it, great. Like this is this is gonna be a great relationship. Mm-hmm. If you don't, great. You saved us both time. Right. I love it. Right. And part of that, I think, in what you're saying is, again, having clarity. You know mm-hmm. what you want. I mm-hmm. I for, I for had a season in my life, in my 20s and, yeah, my 20s. <laughs> and it's why I'm writing a book called Sexless in the City right now. But I had a season <laughs> in my life where I had never dated casually in my whole life. And I was like, I'm going to date casually because mm. that's what people do. And I I cannot date casually because I get my heart broken and I fall in love in two seconds. But that's a whole other story. But 
it took me getting really, really clear in what I wanted. Actually, I want a serious, monogamous, committed marriage to a man that loves God, that has integrity, that has vision for his life, that I can laugh with, that isn't threatened by my strength. And once I got really clear about that, it allowed me to walk out the present with so much more practical wisdom. So like you, I go on a first date and it's very easy for me to bring up, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, I'm writing this book. It's called Sexless in the City. Oh, what's that about? Well, you know, I'm waiting until marriage to have sex and it's not just a cute (laughs) thing I say. It's a thing that I actually do. And so that's, it's kind of easy for me to bring that up. But I kind of put that out there in the beginning as well because I know what I want. And it's, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's about wasting time because I don't think... Whenever you're interacting with another one of God's children, it's never a waste of time. But it's just right. knowing, here's what I want. Here's what I'm looking for. And being clear with that. And that helps you walk out today with integrity and strategy. Yeah. So, bam. I, I love that. <laughs> All right. Let's shift gears just a little bit. I have, honestly, 50 more questions to ask you. So, I'm going to try to ask as many as I can before <laughs> we have to get off the phone. Um, okay. I want to talk with you about saving. Okay. So, let's say you're out of debt. I think something, a place of insecurity that I have felt is, okay, I got out of debt and I felt really proud of that. And then I instantly felt insecure if I have nothing to bring to the table Mm. in a relationship. I might not have debt, but I don't have any savings. And so how do you approach starting to save? Where, once you get out of debt, where should you save first? Do you do a 401k? what, What even is that? Do you yeah. just go to savings first? Do you want to do real estate, Roth IRA? What's what are some of those first steps into saving? Well, let me say this: um, if you come to the table with no debt and no and and no savings, you are still a gold winner. Like that <laughs> is still amazing uh, because I'd rather you come to the table that way than come to the table with no savings and a hundred thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars in debt. So um, uh, you, you're a solid catch there, but. <laughs> Um, the first thing is to, to really go into when it comes to saving. So there's a difference between saving and investing. All right. Mm. So the average person in America can't even afford a $400 emergency. All right. And pay for it cash. So I would say, go ahead and set aside. If you're in New York, shoot for at least three months of your expenses. Mm-hmm. If you're in like a regular city, like, you know, um, Texas, like Houston, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee, I mean, try to shoot for like, you know, in between three and six months of your expenses. So that way, if an emergency does happen, something does happen, you know, you you have some reserves. And the reason why I said it for like cities like New York and LA, Mm -hmm. um, because it's expensive to live there. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's going for six months. That could take you almost two years to get that into an savings. So I would say start with an, an emergency fund. You can put that into a um, money market account. But what I'm always recommending to young people um, is to park it to on an online savings account because you're going to get a little bit more interest and it takes you 24 hours to pull this money out. So some mm-hmm. people are like, well, 24 hours to get the money? Yes. It, you want to make sure that it's an emergency before you pull it out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you have that at a local bank, you can just go get it instantly. You you may regret it. And so what I've learned when I park my money online, it makes me wait at least 24 hours to make sure, okay, is this an emergency or was I just kind of emotional and reacted fast? Mm-hmm. And can I just wait maybe a couple of weeks or a month or so to add this into my next month budget? Mm-hmm. So um, a money market account, which is just another high-yielded checking account, 
or you can go to an online savings account. And I recommend uh, banks like Ally um, or uh, Simple Bank. They have like 1% interest rate because your general savings account um, is going to offer you like 0.02% when you can get uh, a full percent or higher um, with your online savings account mm. because there's no overhead. So that's where I would start. Now from there, once you have your three to six months in savings, then we move into investing. Now investing, you're, you're pretty much putting money into that account for it to grow. Your savings, you're not really trying to make it grow. You just want it somewhere to sit in case of emergency. And if you can get a full percent or 2% on the interest mm-hmm. rate return, that's great. But um, for your savings account, I always say start off with your 401k at your job if there's a match and you just max out up into that match. And then you start investing into a growth stock mutual fund, which is a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. So anything with the word Roth in front of it, get get excited about it, sit out, sit down with a financial advisor and start seeing, okay, what's, where are the best places for you to put your money so it can grow? And if you can let it grow over 30 to 40 years with an average of 8 to 12% return, you know, if you're starting in your 20s, you're looking at anywhere between a million to $2 million in return within the next 30 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I would start. All right. So few few follow-up questions. Those are that's super practical and a really great place to start. When I'm thinking about, okay, let's put three to six months of expenses in the bank. How much money, let's say you bring in, let's just say for clarity's sake, an easy number, $5,000 a month. Mm-hmm. How much of that money should be going towards savings? How much of that should be going towards living expenses? So that's a good question. Um, it, it's not really about the percentage. So say for an okay. example, you make five thousand dollars a month, and let's say for an example, your mortgage is twelve fifty. I'm always recommending to people that your mortgage or your rent should not be no more than twenty five percent of your take home pay. Okay, so okay. let's say your mortgage is twelve fifty, um, and then you have no debt, like you said. So let's say your living expenses cost you another seven hundred and fifty dollars. So this means it costs you two thousand dollars to live, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're making five thousand dollars a month, what I'm saying is instead of looking at a percentage you need to put into it every single month, no. If your living expenses is two thousand, this means you need the minimum of six thousand dollars in your savings account. So. If, you put as much money into your savings account until you get to $6,000. Mm. Now, that's going to be your three months. Now, once you get into that, then you start investing 15% into your future, into your investments. And so now your living expenses, the only thing that I put a percentage on is your mortgage and your rent. And okay. that should be no more than 25%. Now, I know a lot of you people are in New York. I don't have a problem with them going up to 30, 35% mm-hmm. max, yeah. um, you know, if they're out of debt, because I know the cost of living in New York is expensive. Yeah. And so uh, New York, LA, I do kind of budge on that just a little bit, but everywhere else I don't, you know, yeah. I, I'm down in Nashville, Tennessee, and it, it can get expensive, Yeah. Um, but I'm still sticking to my guns on, all yeah. right, I'm going to live at 25% or less because... I want. I need. I need margin. I need right. peace. I don't want to wake up like, oh Lord, I gotta, I gotta pay my mortgage payment on the first of the month. I gotta, I gotta figure out how I'm gonna do it. I gotta stretch it. So, 
That's the only living expenses that I will put a number on mm-hmm. uh, as far as in percentage. Yeah. And then when it comes to your savings, just have three months of your expenses set aside. So kind of get to the savings as aggressively and as fast as you can. Yes. And then, okay, now the 15% into the future investments. And by the way, New York City is an expensive city to live, but guess what? I survived in New York City on less than $20,000 for about four years. <laughs> and I, seven years later, have never paid more than $900 for rent. You've never paid more I've than $900? never paid more than $900 for rent. In fact, I just bought my first property this year. That was my, I wanted to get out of $30,000 in debt and then buy investment property. Yeah. And my mortgage is $1,100 a month. My mortgage is more expensive than my rent in New York City has ever been. So, you know, yeah, New York City is expensive. It is. However, you can't, you don't have to live in a luxury apartment. You don't have to live on Fifth Avenue. You don't have to go out every single night. I I city bike everywhere, which is $15 a month unlimited. So, which is why I was late to our conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so I think, and in New York city, I don't have a car payment. I don't have car insurance. And so when I moved from LA to New York, it honestly wasn't a huge financial transition for me because Mm -hmm. in LA, yeah, I was only paying $600 for rent but I had a $200 car payment. I had a $100 car insurance a month. I was paying $400 a month on gas because that was when gas was almost five bucks in LA. So I think we can also, at least I know I did, and I say all that, and I also got into $30,000 when I lived in New York City. (laughs) So, but all that to say is, you can definitely live for cheaper and below your means if if you want to, and if that is important to you. Because- I think we can make excuses for ourselves. <laughs> we really can. Yeah. And I think the greatest enemy to our success is our excuses. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're so absolutely good. right. So good. Okay. Two more questions for you. Okay. Okay. You talk about, you know, starting that Roth, the 401k Roth IRA. I already feel overwhelmed at those words because I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that even mean? And you talk a lot about on your YouTube, on your website, about getting trusted people around you to support you in your financial decisions. And I, I think I have felt scared to do that in hiring people professionally because, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 10 years old. My mom didn't have a college degree. She made $7 an hour at a retail store, was putting herself through junior college. My dad was a drug addict, so we weren't getting much money from him. And she got a a chunk of money from the divorce and taught herself how to invest. And one of the first things she did was hire a financial advisor, and he scammed her and Mm. took advantage of her and put her money in in stock options that benefited him more than they benefited her. And so I think I've been scared in kind of how do you find trusted people? How do you know that they're really telling you the truth? I feel with financial advisors is kind of how I feel when I go to a car lot. I just feel like (laughs) everyone's trying to take advantage of me and I don't know what an exhaust pipe is. And so (laughs) I get really up in arms and it feels paralyzing. So how do you find trusted people 
to, let's say you're an entrepreneur and you want to start a 401k or a Roth IRA. What's, what are those steps? Well, here's the first step is to acknowledge the fact that there are people out there who do not have the correct motives mm-hmm. and there are scammers out there. So that's the very first step. Uh, and that's because, you know, I've been done wrong as well several times. I've probably lost, well, I won't say the amount, but I've lost thousands of dollars mm-hmm. investing into certain things by giving me wisdom from the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And so... um you know, the team here at Ramsey Solutions and myself, we said, hey, we need to find trusted people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a squad. And so I would recommend anyone, if you're like, hey, I want to invest, I want to do it right, but I want to do it with trusted people, I would highly recommend it that they go to anthonyoneal.com forward slash expert. And you will see a list of people who are, have been vetted, not just by myself, but even by my mentor, mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey, and our entire 900 staff members here. They have to go through a fully vetted interview three, four times with me, with other people, um, and we put our stamp of approval on them. Mm-hmm. And we we guarantee you um, that you will not be scammed, you will not be misled, um, and if anything was to happen, you can reach back out to us and mm-hmm. we will help you resolve the situation uh, because we want you to win with your money and we don't want you to lose. And so we've, we, we have a trusted seal with these people and it's not just investors. I mean, if you're trying to buy a home and you're looking for that real estate agent, that's just not going to allow you to go into a bad deal. Mm-hmm. I have that up there. And so you can go to my page, anthonyneal.com forward slash expert, and you're going to see the page come up. Um, it's going to say your squad. And this is these are the people who I personally work with who will help you out. That's so good. Thank you so much for doing the legwork. And I think that is, I have a friend in my life who she knows all the good skincare stuff and she does all the research. And I like having her around because I know her her referrals, her recommendations, she's put in that legwork. So thank you for putting that legwork in making that stuff available to so many yeah. people. All right. One final question. I told you at the beginning, my 18-year-old sister loves you and you you have already helped her so much. And she has a question for you. Okay. She says, once you have money saved, what is a wise way to use it? Which I know we kind of already answered that. But speaking to a person in college, she says, what if I'm scared of spending money because I don't want to go into debt? I like the fear. (laughs) (laughs) Keep that fear, little sis. Um, You know, if you have money and you're already in college and you're not racking up um, any student loans, I say save as much as possible while still enjoying the college experience in life. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get it confused that I do not want young people to enjoy the college life. Mm -hmm. No, yes, you do. You know, Um, I pledged a particular fraternity when I was in school. Um, So I I want people to enjoy the college experience. I don't want them to regret the college experience. And so I would say, you know, um, enjoy a little bit of your money. Let's say, for an example, if you got 100 bucks, you'll go spend 25 and pocket 75. Mm. And so enjoy the experience, but save as much as possible. So that way, when you graduate college, you're already ahead of the game. You're going to walk into a career field. You're going to have some money in the savings account. You're going to have that margin that nine times out of 10, the majority of her peers will not have. Mm -hmm. And so I want her to kind of be the odd one, be the unique one, be the one that's not balling, that doesn't have the Louis Vuitton purse Mm -hmm. that she paid for. 
Um, you know, be the be the unique one because when you graduate college and you're 20 years old, debt free, fully funded emergency fund, already investing, and you bought a home at 25, 26 years old, yeah. you're still going to be the unique one. So. Yeah. Keep that fear, use that fear to fire and to fuel your your future and you will be successful. Awesome, so good. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for being here with us again today. I really appreciate all your wisdom and insight. I feel like I personally just got a free financial advisor <laughs> consultation. Oh, man. So thank you. One more time, can you tell people how to stay in touch with you, watch your YouTube channel, all the things? Oh man, please follow me on Instagram. That's at Anthony O'Neill. I look for the blue check mark there as well. Um, you can follow me on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Anthony O'Neill, uh, where there I host the uh, talk show called The Table, where we keep it real relevant and relate- relatable for young millennials. And uh, you can go to my website, anthonyoneal.com to find some experts, some some help, some other resources to help you along your, your financial journey. Wonderful. All right. Thanks so much, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refine Collective Podcast. If you made it this far into the episode, you are truly my soul sister. And I want to keep in touch with you. Like, what did you think of the episode? And what's your favorite Beyonce song? And what questions and topics do you want me to cover on the podcast? I want to know these things from you. So I give you the permission to slide into my DMs over on Instagram at The Refined Woman. I would love to connect. Also, did you know my book, Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex drops April, 2021? In this book, I'm talking about growing up in Christian purity culture filled with promise rings and true love weights and basically how my dating life was non-existent for most of my life and how all of that changed when I moved to New York City. I found out it's a lot harder not to have sex when you're actually dating. So yeah, I'm getting real in my book, Sexless in the City, and I'd love to keep you updated on all things book-related from when it drops or opportunities to join my book launch team and how to pre-order, all of the things. So go to bit.ly slash trw-sexless. Again, that's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash trw-sexless. And you can join my community for all the updates. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. I am truly grateful. Bye for now.